Because I think most women, the foundational issue is we're so disconnected from our bodies because of a lot of trauma. You know, I think it's four out of five women have experienced some sort of boundary rupture when it comes to sexuality. And that's just what's been reported. You know, in my experiential workshops that I run with my husband, we do a lot of work around trauma and shame. And it's usually 95 to 100% of all rooms, the women and men, but mostly women. Welcome back to the Energized with Dr. Marisa podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marisa, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones, optimize your metabolic health, and feel energized in your body so that you can age powerfully and wake up feeling amazing in your body for many years to come. Let's jump on in. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through the super mineral so quickly. Now, this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now, it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my Essentially Whole Magnesium Restore Supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code PODCAST and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. Real quick, before I get into this episode with the amazing Alexi Panos, I want to just let you know that I am overcoming a nasty virus that took my whole family out for the last couple of weeks, the start of the new year, and I still sound pretty yucky. I'm feeling a lot better, but I wanted to get this out to you today. I waited as long as I possibly could, so extra grace required, and I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Let's get to it. My journey into understanding how to regulate the nervous system began out of necessity after struggling with overusing my stress response system constantly due to wanting to be indispensable to everyone around me, to my business, and to my obligations. I realized that my habitual state of overwhelm, overgiving, and overproducing was deeply rooted in how my nervous system had been conditioned and then validated from as early as I can remember. See, many of us learn early on that our worth, especially women, are tied to our productivity and usefulness and how we show up for people, creating a cycle where we equate doing with being valuable and being loved, honestly, being worthy. I found that the only time I felt worthy or was recognized or acknowledged was when I was super productive or helpful or indispensable to someone. So I kept at it. This realization hit me extremely hard, kind of like a Mack track. When I continued to struggle with chronic fatigue issues in my early 30s, I found myself striving for perfection, trying to do everything right, only to end up in constant overdrive and completely depleted over and over and over again. It was a massive wake-up call. I understood that from a place... Here's something I know every woman can agree on. Stubborn belly fat can feel like the worst, especially when you've tried everything to lose it. Not to mention, belly fat can be dangerous for us too. According to a brand new study, women over 40 who have excessive belly fat are up to 20% more likely to suffer a heart attack. And no surprise, hormones are involved in belly fat production. 
which is actually good news because we can optimize your hormones and metabolism for a flatter stomach. And that's exactly what I'm offering to you as a free gift today. My Belly Slim Down Guide gives you three effective strategies to get rid of belly fat, along with recipes to reduce bloating, balance your blood sugar, and speed up your metabolic furnace to optimize fat burning. So grab the Belly Slim Down Guide with my proven protocols and recommendations and recipes now at drmarisa.com slash slimdown. That's drmarisa.com slash slimdown, and the link will be in the show notes. Place of nervous system overdrive, which I like to call survival mode. I could only create more survival. Basically, I was just in this crazy, rapid, just cycle that I could not seem to get out of. And no doubt, I was getting the same result over and over again. I realized that if I wanted peace and a sense of groundedness, I needed to cultivate those feelings from within my nervous system first. And that meant rewiring my beliefs and how I immediately responded to requests, obligations, and my endless to-do list that I self-imposed on myself. I mean, I have been the kind of woman who you text me, I immediately text you back. I am so good at follow through and getting back to you and always being on time. And that has everything to do with what I was conditioned from at a very early age. And I realized eventually that being in nervous system overdrive, being in that survival mode, affected every aspect of my life. It touched everything, my relationships, my parenting, my career, and my ability to be authentic and present. This work opened my eyes to how foundational our nervous systems are to everything we touch in our lives. And it's why it's become a fundamental part of my self-care practice every single day. Because if I don't intentionally implement practices to regulate my nervous system, my old strong patterning, probably the deepest patterning that I have, can easily come into play and upregulate my nervous system into overdrive. And I find myself back in the habitual state of overwhelm, overgiving, and overproducing again and again. And because I know that I'm not the only person who struggles with this, I invited Alexi Panos to share her expertise and work around regulating the nervous system and how to live in a state of ease and flow versus overwhelm and resentment, and ultimately how to reclaim your aliveness. I don't know about you, but 2024 is very much about how to continue to reclaim that aliveness for me. This is something I believe we can all benefit from so that we aren't reactive in so many areas of our lives due to our nervous system just automatically moving into that state of overwhelm or overproducing or overdoing or being indispensable, like however it plays out for you. So I want to quickly introduce Alexi to the show. She is a powerhouse, and I know you are going to love her insight and her brilliance. A leader in the emergent wisdom movement, Alexi Panos was named one of Forbes' top 11 women entrepreneurs, Inc.'s magazine top 10 entrepreneurs changing the world, one of Origin Magazine's top 100 creative changing the world, and is featured as an expert in the films The Abundance Factor, Rise Up, in the Age of the Entrepreneur. Alexi is a master leadership and embodiment trainer and co-founder in the Bridge Method Workshops. She supports women in reclaiming their true power and embodied feminine essence in Awaken the Muse and is the top 10 self-improvement podcast called Unleashed. So her podcast is amazing, totally worth checking out. 
As a best-selling author, Lexi has authored the books 50 Ways to Yay and Now or Never, both by Simon & Schuster. She is a proud mama of four kids under five, I believe, and wife of fellow master coach Preston Smiles. She currently lives in Austin, Texas. Let's welcome Alexi to the show. Really hot. What I love to ask first is just, and I know that you have so many beautiful things that you offer, but you know, what kind of opened you up into this world? Like what, what was that defining moment for you where you really wanted to help people and help women kind of regulate? And I take it, is it mostly women that you're serving or is it women and men? It's both. So again, in my body of work, I've got work where I just work with women on reclamation and expression and expansion of their feminine body and what it looks like and feels like to be in their power. But up until the last couple of years, I've worked with both women and men on really diving into the body, finding that sense of truth and living from that place. And What's interesting is I've always been that person that's wanted to help and give back. Like as a kid, I was always volunteering at the animal shelter and doing all these things. Like I always wanted to contribute with my life in some way. I actually started a nonprofit organization at 20 where I'm overseas in East Africa, um, which I still do drilling clean water wells and doing sustainability work and youth leadership education and women's entrepreneurship groups. But this work really dropped for me really from my own trauma. I mean, that's the truth. I had always loved personal development. I grew up very fortunate to have a mom that was like super into Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer and Marion Williamson. And my dad was into martial arts. So he was into Taoism and Buddhism. And so I had this like really colorful world to resource when it came to like, there's more out there than just the Christian religion that all your friends are a part of. There's more out there than just this small mining town that I grew up in. And it just opened me up to this whole world. And I got into personal development and realized, oh my gosh, I can affect the world at large with my being, with my mindset. This is incredible. And I started to see how it really worked in real time and created a lot of success at an early age. But it wasn't until I hit a pretty traumatic event at the age of 20 where I was raped and sexually assaulted at gunpoint where I just tucked that away. Like that just went to the back files of the brain, stored it somewhere deep in the body. And I acted like it never happened and went on with my life for six years. Now in those six years, super successful, um, started my real estate investing, like just crushing it, crushing life. But from a place of, I am so scared to be open and vulnerable because of what happened. So let me build up all of these external successes to try and protect me and shield me from ever getting hurt again. And it wasn't until six years later, I was in Tanzania standing directly across from a woman named Zelda, who was sharing with me in Swahili gratitude for bringing water to her village and supporting her daughter with going to school and She's speaking Swahili and and I know some Swahili, so I'm getting what she's saying from her her eyes. She's crying all this stuff and I'm feeling her, but I wasn't able to really let it land. And it hit me that I'm in this amazing moment where there's so much possibility for love and mutual beingness and this shared moment of love and um, gratitude. And I'm so distant from it. And it felt, it was almost jarring to my system of like, wow, that's crazy. Because then I started flashing into my relationships and how it's like, I let them just enough in, but not too close. (laughs) And I just started seeing with my friends, my boyfriends, like everything was like, I just kept people at a distance. 
And that's when I really started to do some deeper work and uncovered through somatic work. Oh, there's a, a trauma stored in my body that I haven't even faced off with. And I had to do the deep work of facing off with that repatterning in my body, a sense of safety, which was huge and took a long time. And within that process, I learned about the nervous system and how I had essentially been running on a hypervigilant state my entire young adult and life as a child, just constantly trying to set myself up to hedge against danger. And that eventually led to me doing some hormone testing, funny enough. When my husband and I were talking about having kids, I was like, oh, I should probably get my hormones tested. Let's just see. You know, we were kind of in this biohacking phase and we got tested and everything was flatlined. Like my test came back and I remember this graph. It was like, you know, this is what a healthy hormones look like. And I was at like the bottom and there was the skull and bones at the bottom where it's like, that's not good. And they, they shouldn't even have that on there though. I was like, wait, does this mean I'm going to die? And she was like, well, no, but what it means is that you basically have like, I had no progesterone. I had, I forget all the numbers, but I was basically everything was, was stealing from everything. It's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. And so I was effectively in a state of burnout, but so energized. Like I was like, that's crazy. I feel like I have so much energy. And I'm like, da, 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 da. but it was, my body was robbing Peter to pay Paul. And I had been moving at that pace for so long that I didn't know that there was anything else that could feel any other way. And that's when I got really, really clear, like, oh, wow, I've got to change something because clearly if I hadn't known that we wouldn't have gotten pregnant, you know? So then I started doing a lot of work on like taking space and meditating and going for walks and just slowing everything down and letting go of those hooks of like, I need to be successful. I need to be this. I need to be going a million miles per hour. And within a year of doing that, we did get pregnant with Kingston. And then the, the work that I did. My son's Kingston. Yeah. Kingston's five now. And he's like, it's crazy. Right. And now, you know, we got pregnant shortly after that, uh, ended up miscarrying that baby, but then three months later, pregnant with twins and then 12 months later, pregnant again. So it was like, my body was like, okay, thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for doing this work. We're now available because we're no longer fighting to stay alive. And that was such a big aha for me. And I'm like, how come not every, like every woman needs to know this. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's why I got into the work initially as well. I mean, at, at the age of 30, I had, yeah, flatline hormones, deregulated cortisol, absolutely no progesterone, like none of it. And I, I was, my nervous system was just completely fried. And I started, the symptoms were really, really severe. I had chronic fatigue syndrome. That's how bad it got. But kind of what showed up on the labs was that I had these all these deregulated hormones. And I, I always speak into women, you know, there's a lot of different reasons. Our hormones are constantly shifting for one, like every single day of the month, every, you know, during our cycle, they're, they're changing in their own right. But there are big root causes that can drive deregulation. And if your hormones are just these beautiful chemical messengers that are literally chasing you around, trying to catch up, like they're doing the best they can with what they've got in the moment that they're in. You know, it's no wonder that so many of us are struggling with, you know, as a result of trauma that's been from our childhood or our teenage years, or, or maybe even in our adult lives that is in our system that ultimately is showing up physiologically. And for us, 
if our entire body, I, this is this is kind of the truth that I be, I kind of believe after I've looked at so many labs and I've thought about the life force that is women, but we are the carriers of new life. And our entire system, our metabolic system, our hormones, our neurological system, our immune system is really built around our capacity to bring life into this world. And if any of these things are misaligned and we see an uptick in infertility more than ever before, um, we know that our system, our, our especially our reproductive system, is just like it's a no-go. It's a no-go right now. And trauma and stress, I think, are one of the biggest players in that deregulation. And, and I, I think a lot of women don't always recognize it. Like you said, in your those six years, you were handling business, but you were building safety. You were building walls. and But it looked sexy. And anyone would have told you that you were handling it. Like you were getting all the accolades. And, you know, and, and, and I find stress can be very addictive. It can feel really good. Like it could feel like you just turned on a superpower, you know? And for us as women, like superpower, like sign me up for being that woman. I'll take it. Well, and that's so true. You know, toxic stress registers as trauma in the body. And that's what a lot of people don't get. It's like, oh, I'm just a little stressed out here and there. And the truth is we live in a modern society that has so many external stressors that our bodies were not set up for. And society is exponentially advancing in all of these ways. I mean, if you just look at the phone, the phone alone is a toxic stressor. Most people have their sound on, number one. If they don't have their sound on, they have a buzz, like a little shock in your system that literally shocks your body. Like, hey, pay attention. You're missing something. Hey, you're, you're falling behind. Or you hear a ding. And then it's, oh, I'm not getting back to this person and this person. So we've got this cloud of obligations and expectations just from one device. Now you add to that your work, your business, your children, your partner, your friends, society at large, war, pandemic. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And we have to be so radically responsible for setting up our environment, our immediate environment to really nourish ourselves and take care of ourselves in a world that doesn't celebrate, validate, or um, compensate for that. <laughs> well, especially, I want to speak into, like, you know, I love a lot of mamas on on the, listening to the show, and you are a mama of four, basically kind of under five. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, literally. It was four under four for a while, then my oldest turned five. I'm like, yes, we've hit a new... A new milestone where I, maybe it's a little bit less, and... And, and I know that you are holding a lot. Just being a mama for four little human beings that, again, the energetic connection between you and those little human beings on an in, individually is something to behold. It's, it's, it's absolutely miraculous, but it's powerful. And then you've got a partner, you're in a marriage, and you've got businesses. And I would say that the thing, and, I, and I, I, speaking from my personal experience, I mean, I think the thing that I'm always pulled to kind of the invisible labor is around my child, 100%. And so I, even today, we have a Friendsgiving. We're leaving for Disneyland tomorrow. And I have, I was, my husband made some, we were at the store, grocery store, made some offhand comment. Also, it's the second day of my period. And um, and he's like, what's going on with you? Or ask me why why the rain boots in the car weren't, because it, it my son's in a forest school. And so they're going to jump in puddles today. And he's like, oh, you didn't bring the boots? And I was like, I have a run of show of so many things. We've got 10 people coming over tonight. I'm packing us to go to Disneyland tomorrow. Like 
you're asking me about these boots, you know, you know, that I already made a decision that he didn't need. <laughs> and so like, I believe me, that already happened. I already made that decision. And so I, I, I was curious in all the things that you're juggling. And then obviously the phone, you know, there's all that that's happening, which mine is silent all the time. I cannot, I cannot. I'm, I just would love for you to kind of, you know, in your full, you know, in what you teach people and how you help women and, and men both regulate their nervous system and how you help women kind of step into their power, you know, what has been that journey for you in, in kind of owning yourself in the process of caring for so many people? Mm, such a good question. And I think the answer is it was a clunky journey. <laughs> I think, you know, to be quite frank, I I grew up with programming. All the women in my family, except for my mom, were stay-at-home wives and mothers. My mom was like the black sheep who came into a very traditional Greek family, and she's German and Swedish, and was like, I'm an entrepreneur. I do this, this, and that. I have five businesses. And she's still, to this day, 67, working around the clock. But I had these two women modeled for me. And there was this like, be a good Greek woman who takes care of the family and like anchors the family in all the ways. And then my mom, where it's like, go out in the world, like put your stake in the ground, shine, you know, don't play by the rules. And it's like, okay, well, who am I supposed to be? Am I this woman or am I this woman? Because they all seem great in some ways and all seem limiting in some ways. And what I noticed was that the fight between those two paradigms really started to show up in my life in, in my, just as a woman, right. In my mind, in my mind, I'm going, okay, I need to cook all the meals, pack all the lunches. I need to take, remove all the burden from my husband so that he can go out and focus on work, which is like the very, like stay at home mom, CEO of the house. Like I take the burden of the house and the kids, you take the burden of making the money. But then in the same breath, I'm taking the burden of making the money and like going out in the world and providing for the family alongside him, sometimes a little bit more than him, sometimes a little less than him, but we're always like crushing it together. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm shouldering both burdens. And it took a lot for me to unhook my worthiness from both of those. You know, and the truth is I'm still, I'm still unraveling my worthiness from both of those. Cause I have this thing of like, I'm a good woman if I'm CEO of the home and nourishing everybody and everything. And I'm also a good and valuable woman if I'm utilizing my gifts and not playing by the old, the old rules and going out in the world and making something of myself. And so I really had to come to terms, number one, with the programming and conditioning that I'm living in from my own ancestral line, but also society's line of programming, right? Which is huge. And then second, it's literally about small things. You know, I I think uh, the biggest statement for me that has saved my life, not even saying that in a big way, but like literally saved my life is you can have it all, not all at the same time. That, because I used to be like, you can have it all. And I was punishing myself for not having it all at the same capacity across the board. Oh, I dropped the ball here a little bit. Shit, you're, you're not doing as good as you could, Lex, get better. And I would just keep punishing myself to try and like hit it across 10 out of 10 across all areas of my life. And I realized, you know what? No, I can have it all, just not all at the same time. So what matters in this season? And that's the game I play. Like, um, I forget what book I read it in, but there's glass balls and rubber balls. Glass balls are the balls that you can't drop because if you drop them, they'll break. Family, marriage, those two. Glass balls, my health, 
Glass ball, can't drop that. Rubber balls, uh, my business, my real estate, uh, my investments, my um, my friendships, my external social life and networking, like rubber balls. I could be a little more lenient with those. But my glass balls, I take care of those all the time. And then what that looks like is I have regulation practices that I do, somatic practices I do, where I'm literally just taking care of my body and checking in. Where am I right now? Am I anxious? Am I in survival mode? Am I just running and gunning and burning through like a hypervigilant state? Or am I rested? Am I available? Am I calm? Am I grounded? Am I able to be in my joy? Am I able to be uh, receptive to life? And if I'm not, I call that my crunchiness. And if I'm crunchy, I need to go get into some practices. I do movement practices. I do breath practices. I go for walks in nature. My phone is always off, always off. And it is the biggest point of contention in most of my relationships, but it is my sanity. And it's something that I've had to hold firm on for years because my phone, if, if left on, and if I even checked it every day, I would go crazy. I would go crazy. It's just, it's too much. It's too much for anybody's system but I know my system is too much for my system. So I have certain people that like break through the silent thing and they can set up where some people can break through the silent. My husband, the kid's school and my mother-in-law, that's it. Everybody else, I'll check my phone maybe once a day, maybe once every couple of days and that's it. I don't check social media. I have a team that does that. I don't check my emails. I have a team that does that. And I didn't always have that. And before I had a team, I just put an autoresponder on like, hey, I may not get back to you ever. <laughs> like, that's just what it is. And I had to be okay with quote unquote losing opportunities for my, my glass ball called my health and my sanity and my spaciousness. Because again, like I had that graph where I saw the skull and bones and it's like, oh my gosh, my body is literally so depleted of everything that is life force energy. In your 20s, I'm guessing, early 30s, it, you know, er, early enough to be like this, I've got a lot of years left to do this life. And that was a hard wake up call, hard wake up call. And so like, do I let myself get back to that again? Because the world is requesting all this time and energy of me? Or do I have to take radical responsibility and go, not now, not now, not now, this, this is what I'm giving my focus to. Everything else can wait. And it's caused, like I said, a lot of rifts in friendships. I've lost friends because of it. And I am unapologetically standing in my power saying, this is what I need for my system to feel nourished. And can't get on board with that. It just can't. I mean, boundaries came up, safe boundaries for your safety, fierce, fierceness around those, those glass balls, which I think any woman would, would argue that those are the most critical 100% family, marriage or partnership and your health 100% and doing the work, like you said, the clunkiness of getting so laser clear on that. This is what it needs to look like for me on a daily basis. And I just want to just celebrate you because that is a, whew, that, I mean, that is like to, to be able to step into that power of kind of reclaiming self so that you can show up for your people and the things that matter, I think is profound. I know that there are probably women listening to that thinking, I just can't do it. And yet you, th your th their thyroid levels are all over the place. Maybe there's an autoimmune condition that is online that, you know, they're, they're feeling pulled. They don't know who they are um, anymore because they're so caught up in the obligation of everybody. 
I always tell my people, my team or friends, you know, in terms of emails or or text messages, I'm like, there's never going to be a day where that's going to stop. There's always going to be somebody who needs something from you all the time, constantly. You know, work is never going anywhere. It is the second you get into your inbox, it is there. It is fully present with people requesting and asking (laughs) whatever it may be of you. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's that being able to protect yourself and kind of set boundaries around that is, I think it's one of the most critical things that we can do for ourselves. It is. And you mentioned something earlier that I think is really important to talk about, which is the invisible load of being a woman or like the head of the household in that way, or a mother. There's just so much in, again, societal programming about who we have to be as women, But I noticed, like, I actually trained the people in my life, my husband, my children, all my friends to expect me to do everything because that's how I was trained. It's like, oh, well, this is what a good woman does. This is what a good wife does. This is what a good mother does. This is what a good friend does. So it was like, I'll do everything. I got it. No problem. And I did it with a smile. And for the most part, I loved it. I love giving. I'm an acts of service person. And it can't be at my deficit. It can't be like I'm giving from an empty cup because that's where burnout, depletion, rock bottom, thyroid, uh, autoimmune conditions, that's where all that happens. And a big part of my awakening was I had a recent one, a recent awakening. I had put my husband from a glass ball to a rubber ball for a while when I was in the like hardcore. All right. I got four young kids. I'm breastfeeding. I'm pregnant with another one. Like I'm breastfeeding twins. I'm still working. I'm taking this one to preschool, which I created a whole school with my friends for them to have this like awesome little preschool during COVID. It's like, I got it. I got it. But my husband's an adult, so he can figure it out. Like, I don't have time to focus on you right now. So I moved him from glass to rubber ball and it almost broke our entire marriage up. And that was such a huge wake up call for me because in the, like, my mind was like, he's an adult. I'm going through a hard time. I'm sacrificing. He can sacrifice some of the attention for me and some of the support he's used to getting for me for this time, because I'm sacrificing it for myself, but we never had that conversation. <laughs> so that was the lack. Cause I can imagine, I mean, just cause I, you know, I, I want to be a defender of you in this moment. I'm just like, that's so much. I, I'm never surprised when partners get kind of put on the back burner. I feel like, I, I really feel like it should be the, what can we do to support mama, you know, conversation of like for these next, just for two years, as you kind of climb out of, I mean, breastfeeding, getting, I mean, it's, I mean, I know what that load is. I know that load, except it's multiplied. Yes. It's crazy. And that was my thing too, is like, I almost felt this, like, I don't want to say like righteous indignation, but like kind of where I was like, oh, like you should be good. Like, I can't even think about you right now. Right. Like, yeah, you can find your underwear. That's right. I'm like, you are an adult. I am worried about the survival of four young people. Okay. You're an adult. And that created a lot of stuff, right? Like that, even that context of how I held it, like you got it, you're fine. Created a lot of stuff. And it was funny when I was, um, I was just, I just given birth to my youngest and I was sitting, you know, in a dark room on a rocking chair while he was sleeping on me, listening to an audiobook. And I, I was listening to Fair Play, which is a book all about the invisible workload. And I swear I'm listening to this book and I'm like, oh my God, oh my gosh, what? This is crazy. And it was like light bulbs were going off in my head because I never had the term 
touched out. I didn't even know what touched out was. I never heard the term invisible workload. I'm like, oh my gosh, other women feel this. Oh my gosh, they have a checklist that never ends in their brain. Oh my God, they're exhausted at the end of the day and they don't know why. And I just felt so seen in that moment of listening to that audiobook. And I had a conversation with my husband at the time. And I'm like, listen, there's this whole thing called the invisible workload that I realize I have trained you to expect that I will just do it. That's my bad. Unconsciously. Unconsciously. Because of this bigger societal paradigm. Unconsciously and our come through as a mother, the rewiring of our brain is something, by the way, we haven't chosen to study. But like it's it's a it's we don't have the same brain coming into motherhood. That it's a different brain. It's a your children at all cost brain. A hundred percent. And so with that brand new brain, brand new body, brand new nervous system with a nervous system now that's holding other nervous systems, right? It's like a whole system within a system. Now we start looking at the invisible load and we're going, this is too much. And that's why we see a lot of marriages after the first year of having a baby, 67% end in divorce. Yeah, we are, we, whew, we, we are coming, barely coming on the other side. It's crazy. And it's, I think it, a lot of it has to do with this invisible load. And I think a lot of women now we're, it's starting to become more of a talked about thing, thank God. But a lot of women still don't know. They, they're shouldering all of this as their responsibility. They're punishing themselves or making themselves wrong for being exhausted or having no sex drive or X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, we got to look at the the bigger issue here. And for me, that's been a huge piece of my self-care is retraining the people in my life, including my children, what it means to actually hold the mental load of a family and of a house. Because if I'm just walking around saying, hey, I need your help doing that and picking that up and putting that away, I'm still holding that. That's still your load. It's still my load. You're still the delegator, the CEO. I'm still holding the whole thing. It's why I'm teaching my children to walk through our house with a different brain, with different eyes. And yes, they're young, but they're getting it. They're getting it. Like my my five-year-old, he is so good at putting his laundry in the laundry room. He brings his basket out from his room, drags it down the hall and puts it in the laundry room for me. And that's when I know it's time for his laundry. I don't go in his room and check anymore. I don't even think about it. So I'm teaching my kids to start to do this. My, I'm teaching my husband how to do this because he grew up with a mother that did the same thing. She handled everything. And so he never had to. And I, I found myself as a mom when I'm listening to this book going, oh my gosh, if I keep doing what I've been doing, I'm going to raise kids that are never going to have to think about it because I'm handling everything. It's, it is a big, and I'm so grateful we're talking about it. I think so many women have absolutely no idea that they're, that they are carrying this big invisible load because they're just, they're just unconsciously doing it. They're unconsciously. And yeah, I mean, I, we've started with my husband, even the conversation today, you know, in, in the car. And I was like, do you know, like the, like, like the run of show for me today, you know, and just like the, what I'm carrying to get it all together and, you know, what I'm going to love for you to do. And, you know, we had a conversation about a month ago and he's like, you know, if you could just create a list for me. And I was like, that's literally what I'm not going to do. It's the opposite of what I want to do. No, I need you to become aware. I need you to look and see what's around you and see, oh, this is here. This needs to get put away. Oh, the laundry is full. Bring it down, you know? And so- it's, it's that it's own awareness that, you know, I come into the house, I see all of it, you know, and, and they, they see none of it. <laughs> 
Yes. And, and it's just wild again, like I think as women, part of the invisible load and invisible labor that we do is we feel these things. We feel touched out. We feel a lack of sex drive. We feel overwhelmed. We feel burnt out. We feel like we're falling just short of everything in our entire lives. We feel like we're drowning. And then we start to look for help. Oh, how can I be better? Oh, it must be me. I must be broken. How can I be better? Okay. Well, let me fix this. Let me read this book. Let me take this course. Let me get this therapy. And we start to go to work on ourselves because that's how much we care about showing up and being our best. But that's a part of the mental load is we're now holding this idea that if only we were better women, then our life would be working rather than looking at the system of our lives and how it's completely influenced by so many different things, including history <laughs> that we're now just starting to come out of the fog of the patriarchy. And we're like, oh, what's going on? Oh, okay. And we have to start going, okay, maybe it's not just me. Maybe I'm human and maybe I have these moments and maybe I'm feeling these things as a symptom of a system that is not working for my benefit, for my flourishing, for my nourishment. And that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And that just kind of starts to flip it all over. I mean, whoo. I would, you know, I want to speak into because because and, and, and training our families and training our children to like start to see the load one so that we shift we start to change the paradigm. Um, but I also would love to speak and I know you you talked a little bit about how you are re-regulating your nervous system. Are there other things that you are doing to really infuse? aliveness. That's the thing I feel that a lot of women are losing is an aliveness, you know, and, and because of, you know, if we're holding on to trauma or we're constantly in this invisible mental load, we constantly have this checklist or we're handling all the things. I mean, just so many balls in the air. Probably we think that they're all glass balls. That was me. That was you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All important. All these balls are important. Let me just handle them all. I would love, because that's been the thing that I've been the most like interested in desiring is how, obviously I can fill my day with all the things that need to get done and all the things that are going to make the lives of people around me amazing. But how do I get back to what I love? You know, I can't tell you how often I've connected with women and asked if, do you even know what you love? Like what, what brings you joy, you know, what practices and rituals that feel good to you. And so we go, what? Like, I don't the time for, I don't know. And I definitely don't have time for it. And I, I always have to say, well, but like looking at your nervous system and looking at your health, like, how do you not? And so how did those begin to kind of intertwine in your life outside of morning routine and nighttime routine? Cause I don't know about you, but I'm in it. I'm in it in those times. Like I'm in full mom mode. <laughs> I, I love when people ask that question. Tell me about your morning routine. I'm like, what are you talking about? I literally get woken up with screaming and crying and then I'm just thrown into my life. <laughs> but this is such, such a great question that you're bringing up because I feel like it's almost every woman I work with comes to me with this. I want to feel more alive. I want to feel more pleasure in my body. I want to be connected to my life and my vibrancy. Like, I don't even know where she is. I feel like I lost her years ago and my kids and my family and my work in life. Who am I? And the thing that I really start with foundationally is the nervous system. So we have to understand there's three states of the nervous system. There's the ventral state of the nervous system, which is our social connection state. When we're in our ventral part of our nervous system, we are in our highest faculties as a human. 
we're able to think creatively. We think outside the box. We see the bigger picture. We dream in possibility. We, um, we laugh, we play, we feel alive, we feel joy. We feel like life is working for us. It's our innate conversation of like who I am in the world. I am a being that enjoys life and life is working for me and with me. Now, the second stage of our nervous system, if we go one rung down the ladder, is our sympathetic state. And this is survival. We know this is fight or flight. Now, it's not all bad. This is our mobilizing state. This is where we can use our energy to move and work out and dance and have energy to create things in the world. This can be beautiful, but if it's in survival, we want to fight against something, defensiveness, pushing against it, um, shutting things down, or we flight, let me get out of here. This is too much overwhelm, right? The third state, all the way at the bottom of the ladder, this is our dorsal vagal state. And when we're in that state, this is what's known as freeze. It's been called rest and digest when it's in the healthy state. This is when you're calm and in like almost a meditative state, your body's just functioning, doing what it needs to do to rest and digest. But in a survival state, now you're in full immobilization, shut down, you're checked out, you're numb, you're disassociated. This is where depression lives. This is where um, what's the point lives, right? Where it's like, oh, what's the point? None of it's going to work anyway. Does addiction live here too, potentially, or... It potentially. So some people use addiction to numb out. Some people use addiction to feel more, right? So like we're talking about addiction to porn. It's usually they want to feel more because they have a lot of energy that needs to move. Sympathetic state. When we're talking about drugs um, or alcohol that tend to numb and disassociate, that is that uh, dorsal vagal state. So we first have to know like, well, what state are we in? If you're in a numb, disassociative, uh, depressed state. What's the point? None of it matters. The world's against me. It's never going to work. You actually have to work your way back up the ladder through sympathetic before you can get back to that social connection state. You can't skip from the, the bottom to the top. So if I'm working with people in that state, I would give them practices that involve mobilization. We got to get their body into a moving state. So walking, uh, dancing, anger exercises, screaming, like just even using your breath and your voice, ah, like just getting movement back into the body. That's going to push you through the sympathetic state in a, a healthy and intentional way that can then get you into the eventual state of like, oh, I'm alive. I can feel my body because aliveness is just movement in the body. It's movement through the body from spirit, from people, from we're just allowing things to move. And so if we're in that freeze, we got to move. Now, if we're in sympathetic and we're kind of pushing against and we're hypervigilant scanning, and if you're like busy all the time, this was my state. I was just busy all the time, <laughs> reorganizing things, doing things, checking out the list. I need more things on my list. Oh, my list is empty. Oh my gosh, I need 12 more lists. Go. So if you're moving constantly, you're in a sympathetic state. There's no energy to actually stop and feel. And that's the way that you stay safe. And that's how you stay safe. Yeah, I, it's a, it's, it is a vigilance. Vigilance. And that's how I always feel. Like it feels to me just this hyper awareness, hyper handlingness, you know, hyper doing all the things. Yeah. And also hyper reactive because you're just like, it's like your, your fuse is so short because there's so much movement that there's no space to actually exhale into a state of regulation. So if you have someone that's in a sympathetic state, the biggest thing you can do for them is slow them down because they've got too much mobilization. Slow them down, take them out of the frantic hamster wheel, slow them down 
and do more like deep breathing practices, do more spaciousness. If you're going to do movement, do really slow, intentional movement, sitting, sitting in silence by a tree, under the stars, by an ocean or a lake. Those are the practices that are going to bring you back into a regulatory state, which will then signal to your brain and body, hey, it's safe to go into our social connection state. Okay. Then once we're in social connection, now we get to work the muscle of aliveness and pleasure. And that comes only after the foundational piece of getting out of survival. And that's the thing in most feminine work, they're saying, hey, you want to feel more pleasure? You want to tap into desire? You want to feel sexy? Okay. Use the word pussy, dress like this, do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, you can't go from a survival state to that. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. It's not sustainable. It's not grounded. It's not real. And so in order to come to our real aliveness, our grounded aliveness, we've got to get to safety first. Then we practice the muscle. And for everybody that's different, I personally love movement practices. I love creativity and art and I make music and I do paintings and like, I love those things. I love laughter, like going to a comedy club. I love watching like comedy on Netflix. Everybody's pleasure looks different, but the crazy thing I've noticed, and I'm curious if you notice this too, most women, when we get them into pleasure and they're finally feeling it for the first time, they almost can't hold it because they're so out of practice with pleasure, with joy, with happiness, with, you know, they're just like, they want to find something wrong because their body and their system is so conditioned into survival. It's so interesting. Yeah. I would say even the stillness, even stillness, you know, even like, you know, saying sitting, you know, outside, sitting by the tree, no phone, like even that I feel can be so crunchy and uncomfortable. That's not even getting a pleasure. You know, we're just trying to get you into that, in, into that next rung. And yeah, I think, I think, you know, there is very much a, a struggle and a challenge to hold pleasure for sure with women. Because I think most women, the foundational issue is we're so disconnected from our bodies because of a lot of trauma. You know, I think it's four out of five women have experienced some sort of boundary rupture when it comes to sexuality. And that's just what's been reported. You know, in my experiential workshops that I run with my husband, we do a lot of work around trauma and shame. And it's usually 95 to 100% of all rooms, the women and men, but mostly women have endured some sort of boundary rupture around their sexuality. And no wonder, you know, that happens and we cut ourselves off our body. We move straight into our heads and we become really good at doing life from here. And then when we start to go, oh, there might be more to life than just getting things done and being a great mom and being a great wife and being a great business person, I want to feel joy again. Oh, well, joy lives in our body. Pleasure lives in our body. Those are sensations that occur when we're open and available for life to penetrate us. But if we are so walled off, like myself in my journey, I couldn't even feel it when it was like handed to me on a silver platter. I was so disconnected. And so I just have so much compassion for women who feel that because that that was me. That was me. And it took me cleaning out the body. I had to get, you know, go through the traumas, face off with those traumas that were taking up space in my body. I had to clean out the closet of resentments that I had been holding towards people in my life. I had to get really honest about where I actually was 
and take responsibility for it rather than being the victim and waiting for something outside of me to change in order for me to give myself permission to, to feel differently. And then I had to become responsible for my pleasure, for my turn on. And when I say turn on, I don't mean like sexual turn on. I mean, turning your light on. Like there were so many moments where I would just walk into a room of people and I would feel my light just like, I just like turn it down. Don't be too bright, Lex. And then, oh, what's that connected to? Ah, it's connected to this story I have that if I'm too bright, I'll be a threat or somebody will want to take me down. So don't shine too bright. I had to start catching myself in the act of where I would turn down, where I would gaslight myself, where I would shut myself up in order to be pleasing and not rock the boat. And in all those little micro instances, when I saw myself, caught myself and chose differently, chose to turn my light up in those instances, that's how I started to build a body that could step into a room and go, I'm responsible for my turn on. I'm responsible for my joy. I'm responsible for my power and I'm choosing it. It's so powerful. And I, and I agree with you in, in a lot of the conversations I've heard it's that it, it is the nervous system regulation first. And then we get to step into that next rung. But in that, in that journey of, of regulating, kind of optimizing our nervous system, it is doing a lot of that work, that deeper work. And I think it's just that honest, that honest conversation, as you just said, of just like clearing out the resentments and, and clearing out the trauma. And because I know that for so many people that just honestly, let's be honest, it is easier to just do all the things, you know, <laughs> to a point. Yes. Until you're sick. That. And that's the thing. It's like people, people don't appreciate how much they need their health until it's gone. And that was me. I was like, man, I don't need to work out. I don't need to like, I'm good. I'm good. Until you get to the point where you're like, oh, I can't ignore this anymore. And the invitation for anyone listening is like, keep doing what you're doing, but someday it's going to catch up and you can either get ahead of it and like go in, in your power, in your courage, like, okay, it's going to be messy. Okay. It's not going to be easy, but I'm choosing it versus like, having life hit you by with a two by four and be falling on your knees and being like, Oh my gosh, this, I was not prepared for this. And so I, I like the path of choosing it and moving in. I didn't get it handed to me that way. I got it handed to me with a two by four falling on my knees. And I would much rather have chosen to go in the other way, knowing what I know now, but I got what I got when I needed to get it, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that that, I think just hearing that hopefully is a wake up call. And I, there is a yes, a yes. And it's crunchy. You're doing the work and coming on the other side of it. It's, oh, it's magic. <laughs> so it's so magic. It's the thing of like, I cannot even put into words how incredible life can be. And yes, my life is still full. Yes, I still have four kids that are all young and none of them are sleeping right now. And all of them have been sick for the last couple of months and I'm still running my businesses and I still have my partnership with my husband, like still doing all the things, like not much has changed externally, but the woman who meets all of those aspects of my life has drastically changed. It's like, I'm a different woman. And that to me, like my husband has felt it. My kids have felt it. My friends have felt it. My students have felt it. My work has felt it. Like everything has so much more depth and honesty and authenticity and texture that 
it's, there's just no words to how different it can be. And not much has to change on the outside if everything changes on the inside because you're interfacing with life completely differently. And it's crazy because now I, can, I still have those patterns of overwhelm that creep in. For sure. Yeah. On, it's like an autopilot, an auto system. Yeah. Autopilot. It's like, oh, boom, let's go a million miles an hour because that's what you're programmed to do. And I just catch myself and I giggle and I laugh. I take a deep breath into the center of my body. No, we're going to go slow. We're going to go. What needs to change? What needs to get erased off my calendar today? What do I not even need to do? Why am I? Nope. That goes away. Like I have a list now. Um, a list rule. So I put things on my calendar. If it, you know how you transfer things from like one day on your calendar, you're like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow now. If it gets transferred three times, I delete it forever. It's gone because clearly it's not important. And so I have these little rules now for myself and my life where it's like, there's boundaries to this thing. And I'm the captain of my ship. And do I want to drive the ship through a storm and try and weather the storm? Maybe. But I'm not taking that journey anymore. Now I'm checking the weather and I'm like, hmm, what's coming up in my life? Oh, okay. I've got a busy season. My husband and I just did that. We checked the weather. We checked our calendar for the next month and a half till the end of this year. And we looked and we said, all right, we have a lot of stuff happening. What needs to go? What are we like working really hard to try and do that? We put that on us and we just literally like X'd out 10 things, gone, gone. In that moment, that took us 25 minutes. We created so much space energetically in our lives that it opened up so much possibility. We're like, ooh, let's, we're supposed to go somewhere on a trip. We're like, let's instead be tourists in our own town. Let's go explore this thing that we've always wanted to see. Let's do X, because we kept our sitter for some of the time that we had to go away. And we're like, let's just keep her for the day and we'll go out here. And so it just opened up all this possibility, but we had to be responsible for that. And I think knowing my journey, I think a lot of women can probably relate to this. We think everything is a glass ball and we hold it that way. And we, we hinge our importance on it. We hinge our value on it. We hinge our integrity on it. Like that was a big thing for me. It's like, well, I said, I'm going to go, I have to go. And it's like, well, yeah, but you can renegotiate your commitments. That's being an integrity too, because if you go and you do a thing and you don't actually want to do it, or you're stressed out the whole time you're doing it, you're actually out of integrity there. Yes. You are out of integrity with yourself. I, it's exactly. And I didn't catch that for years. I was like, no, I have to do what I said I'm going to do. Otherwise I'm not a person of my word. And it's like, but I'm robbing people of my full self. If I'm sitting here resenting being here because I said I was going to do it two months ago. And even robbing yourself of your aliveness. That, I mean, that's the biggest part is I'm lying to myself. And then every time I betray myself like that, I chip away trust. I chip away my confidence. I chip away my own sense of worthiness. And that's what a lot of women don't realize. I know it took me a long time to realize this. I was really the heart. I was the villain in my own story, you know? And for so long, I, I, I looked at the obvious villains in the world that quote unquote did me wrong. And it's easy to look at them and go, yep, that's why, that's why I feel this way. But the truth was the person who did me the dirtiest for the longest amount of time, <laughs> consistently, it was me. <laughs> it was me. And it's crazy to like have that moment where you're like, oh my God, I've been the worst one to myself. 
I betrayed myself in all these micro ways my entire life to try and get love, to try and get appreciation, to try and get acknowledgement, to try and feel worthy, to try and fit into what society says is a good woman, partner, mother, et cetera, et cetera. I've just dropped myself. I've betrayed myself. I've abandoned myself. And oh my gosh, like never again, like never again. And that wake up call for me has been, again, it's the micro shifts day to day that make you the person who you can become. Everyone thinks it's these big, like rock star moments. It's not, it's who you are in the micro moments. It's in the crevices. It's in the details of your life, the choices you make moment to moment. That's where you forge a brand new body, a brand new interface, a brand new woman that exists in the same world, but entirely differently. I just, yeah, I feel like you've just opened, opened the door to permission. And I, I agree with you. It isn't the big stuff. It is the little stuff every single day. You know, the mini micro betrayals of, of you know, of, of losing yourself to everything else. I agree with that. And it's so easy and it just adds up and it adds up and it just becomes, again, like regular programming, regular patterning, and that you just keep operating like that, you know, every single day. And so I agree with you. It's not the big shifts. It's not going to be the big retreat you know, it's going to be the micro shifts of you reclaiming who you are. Right. That's right. Reclamation happens in, you know, when you're doing the dishes. Reclamation happens when you're doing the laundry. Reclamation happens when you're picking up the sock that your husband left next to the hamper, but not in the hamper, but next to the hamper. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. You kidding me? There is four different piles of clothes in my room that are only my husband's. Yes, exactly. So this is where reclamation happens. And it's, we can laugh at it because it's such a unified experience. So many of us, oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) But do we just like, you know, throw it away and go, oh, well, that's just, it is what it is. And then resent our husbands for it. Okay. That's one option. That's what I did for a long time. Second option is you have a conversation from a loving place of like, Hey, I get that you didn't mean to do this, But what that registers for me is, is more work. Now I got to pick that up. I got to think about it. I got to. And so could you just do better at that one thing? Have a conversation, have your own back in that moment. Okay, great. Third option is you don't let it bother you. And then you don't let it bother you. (laughs) You know, like don't stuff it down. You're just like, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a rubber ball. It doesn't, it's not glass. Who cares? It's a sock, right? So it's like, Can we find joy in those moments that we can't control? Can we find pleasure in those moments that we can't control? Um, I think about this often. There was a story I read. um, Again, I don't remember the book, but she was talking about how her husband would always leave the cap of the toothpaste off. Always leave it. And then like, there'd be like the squirt of the toothpaste on the outside and the cap was somewhere like underneath the kitchen thing and, or the, the sink. And her husband had passed away. And she said, the thing I missed the most was coming in the bathroom and seeing the cap of the toothpaste off. She said, it's a thing that used to bother me. And I used to think about it and be like, you know, screw him. He doesn't care about me. I've told him about this a million times. And she goes, now that's the thing that I miss the most because it was one of his little quirks that reminds me of him. And so I think about that story often. It's like, we can take the same situation and make magic out of it, or we can make it mean all these things. They don't care about us. They are not listening. They, they don't care about my invisible load. It's our story. You know, it, and, it, and it doesn't have to be our story. Yeah. It's so much as it's the come. Yeah. It's coming from us. Like, what am I going to make of it? What is the story that I'm going to make of it? 
you know, and we talk, you know, and a yes, and, and there's a, an invisible load that we get to have conversations about and all these things, or we just can let it, we get to let it go, you know? And so you can you kind of land, but ultimately like gut checking in with, why is this coming up for me? Where is this coming from? And how, how can I transform that? I, yeah, I think in that in that realm as well, even even in, in just, we're not going to get into this too, but just parenting. Like if your kids are doing something and something's coming up for you, I'm like, that's your stuff. That's your stuff. That ain't, that isn't your child's. That is your stuff. You know, and like, you got to just own that. You know, you got to own what's the stuff that's coming out that you're trying to put on somebody else. Like that's your stuff. Yes. And that's where, again, when we talk about having our own back, that's where we really get to check in and go, okay, this is coming up for me. What do I need? Do I need to have a conversation with my husband about the sock? Maybe. Like I've had to have many conversations and that's what I need. I need to feel understood. Okay. So have that conversation, have your back. Or I actually need to feel relief right now. Uh, So it's a conversation with my husband about getting relief can I create relief for myself? Oh, I can. Okay, go for a walk, Lex. And if you come back and it still bothers you, then have the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I so often when I'm feeling a real a, a kind of a deregulation, you know, I'm just like, ooh, with the, I'm needing something. Something's coming up for me. Like I need a. It, this is a reset. This is a central nervous system. I'm not. I'm not tending to myself in this moment. And now everything's bothering me. Everything's everything. Everything's a, fl- a red flag, <laughs> and it's time. Like, oh, this is a this is a sign that I am not tending to myself. It's time for me to go do something for myself. There's so few things that are like you said, crystal or, or glass balls. I call them crystal balls too. That that are so critical, mission critical that I that I just can't like walk away from it and just and just go take care of me. That's right. That's right. And again, that's our responsibility. And I think as women, we're so conditioned to put ourselves last. That's like, okay, yes, I know I need to tend to myself. Okay, yes, I feel like I'm dysregulated or hypervigilant, but I've got all these things to do for the kids or I've got all these things to do for the house or I've got all these things to do for work. I'll do it after. And we become that thing on the list that we keep moving from day to day to like, oh, I'll go for that walk tomorrow. Oh, I'll go to the gym tomorrow. Oh, I'll do my movement class next week. Oh, I'll sign up for that coach next month. And we put all the expenses for the family before us. We put all the time for the family before us. And that I think is the greatest revolution that's taking place right now is women starting to choose themselves, putting themselves first, not above. And I think that's the distinction. A lot of women, self-included, have this story. Well, if I put myself first, then I'm failing the people in my life I care about most. But what I realize is when I put myself first, I can then put the glass balls right next to me. And we all get to be a glass ball because I'm a glass ball too. If I drop me and I break my three other glass balls, gone. Yeah, gone. Because uh, let's be honest, you're still the epicenter. <laughs> the epicenter. And that was such a like light bulb moment for me because I was making myself a rubber ball. You know, I was like, oh, you're a rubber ball. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But no, I'm the glass ball that all the other glass balls are made of. (laughs) Yeah. I was just, I, today I I did the walk. I did the walk, you know, and then I was going to lay on a, on a, on a um, PMF mat. I'm sure it turned off by now. (laughs) 
I didn't get on it. It didn't happen. And I, you know, I did the walk, I did a couple and I had this, this intention and I just kept finding things. I wanted to prep for the interview. I wanted to give it the due diligence. And so I just kept looking at the mat. I'm like, I'm going to get, I, I can get on it for five minutes or then two minutes. And I, it didn't happen. So I, you know, it's, it's still for me, it's such a, it's still a process like where I did kind of the non-negotiable thing, but then the thing that I kind of would have loved to kind of an additional that didn't make the list that didn't, I didn't before the interview today. And so I've got more time, but, um, but yeah, I find I'm still, I'm still working that out. Yeah. I think most of us are, you know, I, I think it, it would be a disservice for any of us to say that it's not a challenge anymore. Because of course, if, you know, I just turned 40 this year, I've got 10 dec or four decades, you know, 40 years worth of programming and conditioning to put myself last. So of course it's going to be hard, you know, and kudos to you celebrating you for taking that walk because it would have been much easier to go. Yeah, but I could use that extra 20 minutes to do more prep for the interview or get some emails done before we jump on this call, you know, so Carving that time out is giving yourself in that, in that mental bank and in that body bank of who you are. It's like, yep, she chose me. Yep. She took care of me. And the more you do that, the more you have evidence that you are somebody that is reliable. You are somebody that has your own back. You will not self-abandon. You will take care of yourself. And the more you feel like, oh, I am a person who is all of those things. Then I stop looking for a man to do that for me or a job to do that for me or my body to look a certain way to do that for me or my bank account to look a certain way to do that for me. Cause you're like, I've got me. I'm so solid. I'm so safe in myself because I trust myself that I don't need all the external anymore to make me feel a certain way. I love this. This is so good. So good. I want to let my audience know, let my community know where we can plug more in. Where can we, because I'm, 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 I know for me, I'm just like, ooh, what's that next thing? Like, how do I step into this? Especially if there was an, like, just kind of a, a moment of like aha moment or a realization moment. But then there's, then there's that knowing of like, there are next steps. Yes. Yeah. So I, I've got two big things that I think would be great for this audience. Awaken the Muse is my program where I work with one of my dear sisters, Emily Gallagher. We walk women through awakening that aliveness within themselves. And it really starts foundationally with the body. So we deal a lot with the nervous system, a lot with somatics and a lot with embodied movement. So we do a lot of embodiment practices because again, you can't outthink what the body's feeling. So we're like, okay, believe everything you want to believe about yourself, but let's go to the wisdom source called your body and felt experience called evidence. Let's go there. And we start to build evidence of a body that can feel pleasure, a body that can feel joy, a body that can feel rage and everything in between. And when you start to feel the texture of your system coming back online, that is a signal that you are feeling safe in your body. So with that safety, then we start to build and we really start to find that light and express it out in the world in the unique way that each woman wants to radiate her own light. So that's awakenthemuse.com. Uh, for any of you that love to be in person and get in a room and try some stuff on and loves the experiential stuff, my husband and I do something called the bridge experience, which is our level one. And then we have our level two, which is extreme leadership. It is all about repatterning your nervous system. It's all about seeing what kind of system you have, bringing deep awareness to your system and how it closes 
and how it opens. And what we do is we practice opening the system when it would usually close. And so you've got all this repeated evidence over the course of two weekends where you start to see, oh, my system can open in the face of where it used to close. People come out of that workshop transformed because we're not like distinctions and Tony Robbins and writing in notebooks things. You're literally trying things on and analyzing and looking at your system and feeling into it and then trying and stepping in again. And so it's this beautiful little microcosm of a game within a game within a game where the body doesn't lie. And we have coaches that are watching you from every angle, supporting you in getting you to a body that you say you want. And so we just practice that body over and over again. So that's bridgeexperience.com. And then socials, find me on Instagram at Alexi Panos. Um, that's where I tend to, I don't really hang out there much, but that's where my content hangs out because <laughs> I've got very strong boundaries around my phone and technology, but that's where my content hangs out. I've got my amazing social on my podcast as well. Yes. Unleashed with Alexi Panos. Um, I love that podcast because I get to bring a lot more depth and context to an idea versus like a small little caption. Um, so for any of you that like, like long form content and really like to dig into to ideas, definitely check that out. Cause that's, that's a lot of fun as well. Well, it was been such a pleasure to have you and to have you speak your truth. And I just love the events that are coming on. So I'll have everything inside of the show notes. Go and check it out. I know that some of these events are like live. So go and check out the dates for them. Is the event with you and your husband in Austin or is it? In Austin, we do them also in Australia once a year. So we'll probably do Australia next year in October, 2024. We'll have uh, three to four in Austin this year. We try and do one a quarter. So the next one will be... Uh, mid-Feb, mid-Feb. Perfect. So perfect amount of time to schedule that, book it, do all the things, and then show up. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for this. This is such a, a juicy conversation. And I, I hope, my, my prayer is always that whoever is listening finds one little nugget that opened up a little seed. And if you can take care of that seed and tend to that seed and let that seed really start to germinate in your life, that's all you need is one you know, I think a lot of times we listen to things and we're trying to get all the information, but that in itself is a dysregulated state. So really like take an exhale, take a breath and ask yourself like, what landed for me? What am I taking with me into my day, into my week, into my life, into my home? And just do that one thing. My biggest takeaway from Alexi today is that we have the ability to feel alive again and to operate from overflow and flow. It's possible for each of us, even those of us who are recovering stressaholics like me. It's really all about learning how to regulate our own little nervous system and build a somatic body that can hold the life that we want and desire. Luckily, there are so many free modalities that can support us in our own home, especially the somatic modalities like breath work, meditation, movement like dance, grounding, and body awareness. Now, if you want to dive into breathwork, which is one of my absolute favorite ways to connect in to my body and to really clear a lot of stuff, check out my recent interview with Samantha Scully. She was literally two episodes ago on episode 563. Samantha really connects the dots on how to regulate your nervous system with breathwork, and it is so powerful. And if you desire more flow this year, right now, I know I do, as I mentioned, definitely check out Alexi and her bridge method workshops or her Awaken the Muse program. I know that they are both launching this month, like right now, 
And you can always find her on Instagram and YouTube. I'm going to link to her website. I will link to her Insta and YouTube and to her podcast. So you can go and check her out wherever you want to. And I also wanted to let you know quickly that that you have a few more days to go and grab my brand new amazing course, Step Into Your Epic Health, Your Future Epic Health. So the Step Into Your Future Epic Health is a self-paced exploration of the things you want, the barriers that are holding you back, and the steps that you need to overcome them to live your best life starting now, particularly your best health. This course will lead you through the foundational first step on any healing journey, no matter what your end goal may be. Now, with my newest, most powerful course to date, you'll get immediate access to three video modules where I walk you exactly through how our mindset and physical health are inextricably woven and what first steps to really break free from these limiting beliefs and really get crystal clarity on your vision and really how you can become the healthiest version of you. You're going to get effective tools and practices designed to shift your energy and accelerate your healing journey and to really shift your mindset around it. And a powerful guided digital workbook that's really designed to facilitate and lead you on a journey of identifying your own limiting beliefs, creating that vivid vision and action steps to get you where you want to go. And then lastly, you're going to get a guided visualization meditation practice that will help you connect more deeply with what you truly want to accomplish in the weeks, months, even year ahead, and so much more. Now, for the next few days, it's only $49. It's 50% off right now. So it's literally the time to grab it. I believe it's available at $49 for the next two or three days. So go to drmarisa.com slash epic health. It's going to be in the show notes as well. And grab it today for 50% off. And also let some let anyone know about it. If there's someone you know that has been struggling they have just not been getting the results they're looking for in their health journey. Sometimes it isn't just the protocols and it isn't just the nutrition plan. It isn't just balancing your hormones. It's about getting so clear on who you need to become. I know that that has been the North Star for every healing journey that I have been on for the past decade. And it's how I've come onto the other side of so many crazy healing journeys. So I just felt like it was the right time to share this with you. I know that so many of us have been dealing with health issues and struggles, and you may be at a place where you're just over it and you want a path. You want a clear North Star on where you are actually going, how you can envision yourself in perfect health on the other side. And that's literally what this is. This is that big mindset piece. And it's so much more than that. That helps you really get such clarity in terms of how you want to feel, how you want your body to be, how you are operating when you are your healthiest self. And when we can operate from knowing where we're going, I don't know. I find that the health journey is so much easier. We don't have to effort as hard. We don't have to stay as like as motivated because you are already so clear on where you're going. The path is just laid out. So again, it's available, $49.00. Go to drmarisa.com, D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A.com slash epic health. And I hope that this is one of the many beautiful tools that you're able to implement that steps you into the best health of your life. If you loved this episode with Alexi as I did, I'm so grateful to have her on today. Please take a moment, subscribe to the show and share it with somebody because I just feel like what she has to share today can really impact all of us. 
Until the next episode, have an amazing day. 